Hi, and welcome to Phoned In, Bomb Magazine's poetry reading by phone podcast. In this podcast, we'll have a reading by Mairead Byrne. Mairead Byrne emigrated from Ireland to the United States in 1994 for poetry. Her books include The Best of What's Left of Heaven, Talk Poetry, SOS Poetry, and Nelson and the Huru Buru Bird. She lives in Providence and teaches at Rhode Island School of Design. Hello? Hi, uh, this is Luke from Bomb Magazine. Hi, Luke. How are you today? Good. Uh, How are you? Great, great. Okay. Um, maybe you can ask me how I'm doing today again. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm excited. Looks like I'll be able to pay my credit card bill. So which do you care most about? The bitternesses of the past or, say, your genes? I don't know. I feel pretty strong about my genes. Would you? So, if you could, would you? Would you, if you could? I mean, would you, if you could? Would you? Would you really? Would you, if you could? Would you? Where did you grow up? Do you mean, why did I grow up? No, where did you grow up? Do you mean, how did I grow up? No, where did you grow up? Do you mean, when? No, just where? Oh, You never know, formal. You never know. 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 You never know, loose. You never know. You never really know. You never really know now, do you? You never know. You just never know. You never know, wheedling. Ah, you never know. Sure, you never know, do you? You never really know. You never, never know. Isn't that the truth? You never know. You have to laugh. You have to laugh. You have to laugh. Ah, you have to laugh. You have to laugh. You have to laugh, though. Don't you just have to laugh? You have to laugh. Ah, you have to laugh. You have to laugh. You have to laugh, fuck it. Okay, I'm going to read... um from a couple of sections of this book, The Best of What's Left of Heaven. There are 13 sections, and um, I've read from a section called Everyday Lunacy already, so I'm going to read um, a found poem, and then I'll read a couple of interviews. So this is a found poem um, called Letters from Joe Oliver, um, and basically it's extracts from letters the great band leader and cornet player Joe Oliver wrote to his sister and his niece. Um, letters from Joe Oliver to his niece. Thank God I only need one thing, a 
and that is clothes. I get little money from an agent for the use of my name, and after I pay room rent and eat, I don't have much left. To his sister from his boarding house at 508 Montgomery Street. I always feel like I've got a chance. I still feel I'm going to snap out of the rut I've been in for several years. To his sister. I've started a little dime bank saving. Got a dollar sixty in it and I won't touch it. I'm going to try and save myself a ticket to New York. I have helped to make some of the best names in the music game but I'm too much of a man to ask those that I've helped to help me. Should anything happen to me, will you want my body? I may never see New York again in my life. Don't think I am afraid. I'm trying to live nearer to the Lord than ever before. So I feel like the good Lord will take care of me. And then, this is called an interview with a wise old man. Mairead Byrne, you are a wise old man and have lived a long time. Please can you tell me what you have learned? Wise old man, yes. Mairead Byrne, for example, you have built the house you live in. You use energy powered only from the natural movements of insects in your garden. You have perfected a mineral supplement which in effect replaces the necessity for food. You make all your own clothes out of cloth woven by yourself from flax grown in the far field yonder. You've had six wives, each one younger and more beautiful than the one before. All your children have emigrated but send you large packages. Everyone says you are incredibly wise. You've written many books. Today, in what may be the waning years of an incredibly productive life, you seem serene and equanimous. What is the secret of your happiness? Wise old man, happiness. Mairead Byrne, I see, very good. You often talk about chalk, how things must be chalky, and the essential chalkiness of experience. Can you expand on that? Wise old man, I was a teacher. Mairead Byrne, I know, I was your student. They say that everyone should have one great teacher in her. You were mine. Wise old man, one feels one's students. MB, that is so beautiful. You've received many honors in your life. You've won the Pulitzer Prize twice, gotten four Guggenheims, a MacArthur Genius Award, and the Nobel for both peace and literature. These achievements are like some aspiring writer's wet dream. What does it mean to have achieved so much? Wise old man, I never got a pushcart. Mairead Byrne, oh, I'm sorry. People say that True happiness is derived from living in the moment, that regardless of what has passed or passing or to come, the thing is just to be in the moment as fully as possible, to smell the roses and coffee, to be aware of the small hairs rising on the forearm or on the back of the neck, the cilia on the caterpillar, the smell of new-baked bread on the windowsill, the taste of a ripe mango, the sound of Bob Marley when his voice breaks or he makes one of those kind of sexual sounds. Is that what it's all about for you? Is this what has caused you to afford a path to wisdom, wise old man, hmm, Burn. that's so great. I feel we're in sync, which is weird because I'm not that wise, even though I was your student all those years ago and I'm engaged to you now. But is it ever a strain for you being a wise old man and having to go out and about wearing wise old man clothes and expressions? Do you ever wish you could just pig out or be unabashedly boorish and selfish like an ordinary old man and give the wisdom a miss for a while? Wise old man, yes, Mairead Burn. Oh, come here, you devil. 
All right, I'm going to read a couple of poems from a section called War, and then I'm going to end with three poems, okay? Baghdad. They come, we stop them, and we pound them, and they go, and when we stop, they return. Iraqi Minister of Information, Mohammed Saeed Al-Sahaf, April 5th, 2003. If I leave Baghdad early toward Baghdad, will never reach Baghdad, will never come to Baghdad, or nowhere near Baghdad, not near Baghdad, near Baghdad, armored push toward Baghdad, approach Baghdad, push into Baghdad, advance on Baghdad, Forces drove into Baghdad, in the raid into Baghdad, probing mission in Baghdad, not even 100 miles from Baghdad, 10 miles from central Baghdad, just 7 miles from Baghdad, on the outskirts of Baghdad, to make it into Baghdad, home to Baghdad, fly on into Baghdad, home free to Baghdad, little more than one hour from Baghdad, an hour and a half short of Baghdad, encirclement of Baghdad, siege of Baghdad, to choke Baghdad, cut Baghdad in half, so to speak, pulled back to Baghdad, back to Baghdad, highway to Baghdad, main road going into Baghdad, main road going into Baghdad, to Baghdad, on Baghdad, to Baghdad, over Baghdad, fleeing Baghdad, sky over parts of Baghdad, on what parts of Baghdad, vast areas of Baghdad, southeast of Baghdad, into southern Baghdad, Baghdad, southern Baghdad, from the east-southwestern areas of Baghdad, beyond northwest of Baghdad, from southern Baghdad, they're in Baghdad, actually in the city of Baghdad, inside Baghdad, in central Baghdad, in the heart of Baghdad, in the heart of Baghdad, penetrate the heart of Baghdad into the center of Baghdad to smash rocks, the center of Baghdad, stacked up over Baghdad, enveloping Baghdad, penetrating Baghdad, isolated Baghdad, swept low over Baghdad, thrust into Baghdad, nighttime bombing of Baghdad, the people of Baghdad had the poor of Baghdad, the people of Baghdad, deserted streets of western Baghdad in the streets of Baghdad, on a house in Baghdad, street dogs of Baghdad, convoy out of Baghdad, battle of Baghdad, all across Baghdad, vast areas of Baghdad, vast areas of Baghdad, vast flat city of Baghdad, Baghdad's hospitals, liberated Baghdad. Hi, you guys. I'm in Baghdad, outside Baghdad, inside Baghdad, Baghdad burning, 18 blue and black arrows around Baghdad, fell on Baghdad, head out of Baghdad, leaving Baghdad, history of Baghdad as we left Baghdad. I park the green car in the rain and go in the red door to collect my child. My child whose face is a white petal detaching and fluttering toward me. I park the green car under the clouds and go in the red door for my child. My child whose dark hair falls over her head as she bends to her drawing. I park the green car in the tight sun and go in the red door to collect my child. My child, deep in a cluster of children sticking colored paper to paper. My child who shouts out, can I finish this first? I am thinking about divorce. I park the green car in the sun and go in the red door to collect my child. 
my child who hurtles toward me, I swing her around. Then Yang Yang hurtles toward me, I swing Yang Yang around. Her father is coming in nine days to take her. I park the green car in the rain and go in the red door for my child. My child who stands by the wall in the gymnasium with other wallflowers hanging her head. I park the green car in the rain and go in the red door for my child. My child pounding the floor of the gymnasium with her strong little calves. I park the green car in the sun and go in the red door for my child. My child who is not in the cafeteria and not in the gymnasium and not in the first playground, but there in the kindergarten playground on the slide upside down as my child. I park the green car in the sky and go in the red door for my child, my child whose face is a white petal detaching and fluttering towards me. Of course, of course my father brought home books to us every Saturday. Of course they were second hand. Of course he had eight children to think about. Of course he brought us to art classes in the National Art Gallery. Of course he brought us to the Young Scientists Exhibition. Of course he brought us to the country and all the castles and ruins and forts. Of course he brought us to the Phoenix Park and parked in the grass and held the door open and said, Out! Of course he brought us to Dollymount Strand every Christmas morning. Of course he made trifle. Of course he made wafers. Of course he brought small bars of chocolate and divided them in eight. Of course he divided up the heels of sliced pans and sliced loaves and made us all eat a piece. Of course he mended our school bags. Of course he built bookshelves. Of course he loaded the groceries into the cupboard. Of course he made lists. Of course he kept a file on each one of us with all our school reports. Of course he took me to the theatre. Of course, I danced around so much under my small umbrella that he told my mother he would never take me out again. Of course, he took my sisters with him on trips to weather stations in remote parts of the country. Of course, he loved Irish. Of course, he went to his own church. Of course, he walked home for lunch every day with the Irish Times under his arm. Of course, he never really knew his parents. Of course, his father rejected him. Of course, he was an intellectual without any pretensions. Of course, I teased him and called him baldy. Of course, he brought us spangles from the north. Of course, he called from the, plate, from the phone box down the street and said he was in Malin Head. Of course, he came strolling in ten minutes later and we all laughed our heads off. Of course, life stopped when the knock came to the door and we were told that he had drowned. Everything is unlikely. Everything is unlikely. Look at going to the bathroom. That's unlikely. And you do it so often, at least four times a day and sometimes at night too. Sleeping is unlikely. You just conk out. Imagine if you were looking at yourself all those hours, you hardly daring to breathe, looking at yourself, a great inert heap, hardly breathing in the dark, and every now and again a gigantic snort. You just get slung down into a pit of sleep, like those bodies in Pompeii. Then in the morning, try to make the pieces flow again. Eating is very unlikely. When it comes down to it, what is it but opening your mouth and putting food in? It's not called a cake hole for nothing, mysterious shoot. My whole life is unlikely. What is America? Why am I here? What happened to the other country? 
Where did my sister's houses go? Why am I here, in this house, in this world, which also holds a man screaming as other men saw at his neck with an inadequate knife? Granny Smith Apples Granny Smith Apples are called Granny Smith Apples because they're once... Oh, I'm have to make a mistake again. Okay, sorry, can I start it again? Yep, yep, absolutely. Okay. Granny Smith Apples Granny Smith Apples are called Granny Smith Apples because there was once a little woman called Granny Smith who had two green eyes like apples, two bright green eyes twinkling in her head. Actually, they were out on stalks. No, I'm a liar. It was the stalks were out, like a single stiff eyelash, like an, the apples were in her head. Another coincidence was that her name at one time was actually Granny Smith Apples, but she got married and shortened it because it would have been too long otherwise for the children. Of course, they were the apple of her eye. Each one was a segment of the apple and her eyes were apples. They were the apple of her apples, therefore the same logic applies. She wasn't that little either, Granny Smith, but kind of large and scary with those twinkling green eyes and moaty stalks. You just heard Mairead Byrne read for Phoned In, Bomb Magazine's Poetry Reading by Phone podcast. This was episode 11 of Phoned In. To read an interview with Mairead, to hear previous episodes, or to tune in for upcoming episodes, visit phonedinpoetry.wordpress.com. The music was from the band World's Greatest Dad. For other podcasts, streaming video, web-exclusive interviews, and more, check out bombsite.com.